Well, good morning, West Bowles Community Church. How's everyone doing? Good, good. My name is David Perez. I'm the youth director here at the church. And whether you're tuning in online or joining us in person, we are so glad to have you here. Um, everyone have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah, a good time with family, lots of food. Yeah, Thanksgiving was a little different for Grace and I this year. Um, we both actually got sick. I'm sure you can probably hear I'm a little nasally still. Yeah, so we both got sick. So there's, there's, there's pros and cons to that. You know, the, the bad side of it was we didn't get to be with our family. So we stayed home. We had Christmas, or not Christmas, goodness gracious, see? Uh, Thanksgiving, it's a day quilt. We had a Thanksgiving together. Uh, my mom still made us some turkey and stuffing, so we got to eat a little bit. Now, uh, that's, that's the con. The, the pro was I didn't eat 17 plates like I normally do, so I did not have to go buy new pants for this morning, all right? So there's a silver lining to everything. Well, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to hop into it this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day and this time. Thank you for the opportunity um, for us to get together as a family, Lord God. Um, Jesus, thank you for the time we got to spend this past Thursday um, in gratitude to you, in gratitude for um, everything we have, Lord God, and for who we have. Um, but Lord Jesus, also just, um, just for this opportunity to, to look forward. Um, Jesus, I pray that you speak through me today. Um, Lord, I pray that you say through me what you want to say. And if there's anything you don't want me to say, Lord God, I pray that I don't say it. Um, open hearts and ears to your word this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, how many of you guys uh, like sports? Sports fans out there? Yeah, okay, so sports have been a big part of my life ever since I was a kid. So from when I was a little kid all the way till now, I have loved playing sports. And there's a lot of good things that sports can teach us, right? I mean, camaraderie, teamwork, sportsmanship, um, work ethic, dedication. I mean, we can keep going and going and going. There's a lot of wonderful things about sports, but there's also some not-so-good things about sports, And I think one of the worst things in in the community of sports is comparison, okay? It's real easy when you play a sport or when you watch a sport to compare, right? If you're playing one, you're always comparing yourself to your competition. You're comparing yourself to maybe even some of your teammates or someone who's better than you. And we do this at at a professional level as well. I mean, if you've been paying attention to basketball for, for any amount of time or for, you know, even the last 10 years... There's a big comparison going on. There's, there's a big debate, and it's who's the best basketball player of all time. Some of you have maybe heard this, but we, we always compare two people. Michael Jordan, LeBron James, okay? That's, that's the comparison we draw, and you either think Jordan's the best or LeBron's the best, and if you're in the LeBron camp, I'm going to respectfully ask you to reconsider your opinion because it's wrong, okay? Um, <laughs> But no, we, we compare these two, and we get stuck in this comparison. So here's what happens. When we get stuck in comparison, we actually we miss out on a lot. If you're in the Michael Jordan camp and you're stuck in that comparison, you are missing out on probably the best athlete to ever play the game of basketball. I mean, LeBron James is a freak of nature. The guy is crazy. At the same time, if you're in the Michael Jordan camp, or sorry, if you're in the LeBron James camp, you think he's the best, you're missing out, and, and even though I was young, I remember watching this, but you're missing out on Jordan just played the game beautifully. I mean, there was something magical about how he played the game, and his accolades are crazy. Now, we don't just compare when it comes to professional sports or sports in general. There's a lot of comparison that goes on in our own personal life, isn't there? I mean, all I've got to do is hop on Instagram, and right away, I can find someone who makes more money than I do. I can find someone who's better looking than I am. 
I can see someone who's got a bigger house, who's got a nicer car. Heck, I can probably find someone who's, who's a, more spiritual than I am, right? You see people on there who it's like, oh my gosh, the, the depths of, of what they're talking about. Like, I, I'm nowhere near that. We tend to compare ourselves constantly. And there's a saying out there that I believe is very true, is that comparison is the thief of joy. It's a thief of joy. You're real happy and and you want to be less happy? Just compare yourself. That's all you got to do. Comparison is the opposite and does not go well with gratitude. And we're going to talk about the opposite of comparison this morning, which is contentment. Now, if you've been joining us over the last few weeks, Pastor Nathan has been talking to us about the prelude to gratitude. So we've been talking about the things that precede gratitude. And last week, I would encourage you, if you did not get a chance to listen to the sermon last week, go check it out. Powerful stuff. In fact, at the end of the sermon, uh, Pastor Nathan had us do a list of, instead of focusing on giving God a to-do list, right, he had us write down a, a what Jesus has already done list. That was wonderful, and it was, it was a perfect lead-in as we went to Thanksgiving and, and had a day where we gave thanks for all that we have. And so this morning, when we talk about contentment, we're actually going to be talking about the postlude to gratitude. In other words, contentment and gratitude, right? Oftentimes, contentment follows either closely right after gratitude or goes hand-in-hand hand with it. You, you can't really be content and not be grateful. At the same time, you can't really be grateful and not be content and what you have. And so this morning, that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at contentment and comparison. And in order to do that, we're going to be in the book of Philippians. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, we're going to pick it up in verse 10. It says this, this is Paul speaking. He's talking to the church in Philippi. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in, every, in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. So Paul's telling him, he's saying, look, I, I can be content no matter what. Whether I have a lot or I have a little, I can be at peace. I can be okay. I can be all right with what's going on in life. He tells us the secret. He says this, the secret is, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Now, many of us are familiar with that passage, especially verse 13, where he says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. What Paul is getting at here, as I did some reading and some studying, I looked at what he's getting at is Jesus is enough. He is sufficient. I know that he will provide what I need. If I've got plenty... Jesus is enough. He's, he's provided me with what I needed. Look what I have. If I'm in need, if there's a struggle, Jesus is enough. I trust and I know that he will provide. I know that he will give me what I need. 
but, but there's another part to that. It's not just what I need, but he also provides who we need. You see, I think there's, there's two parts to God's provision. There's the what. There's those kind of manna from heaven moments, aren't there? Where it's, it's like you're praying, and, and God, I really need you to come through, and it's like miraculously, he, he gives you what you need. But then the other part of his provision is oftentimes God provides for us. He gives us what we need through other people in the body of Christ. You see, we are called to be active participants in the good work that he is doing here. Now, we are called to be active participants in God's provision in the lives of others. If you're in the body of Christ, we are called to do that for one another. You are part of his provision for your neighbor. And so this morning, if you look at your, your sermon notes, we're, gonna, we're actually going to spend the rest of our time in 14 through 20. Because if you look at that, right, Paul talks about this idea of contentment. And actually, even in the, in the verses we just read, he's talking about the Philippians and, and how uh, they had concern for him. And so we're going to look at well, God used the Philippians and God used Paul to provide for one another's needs. And so we're going to look at what contentment looks like actively lived out in the body by the body. In other words, we're going to look at what it means to be content. So we're going to compare, we're going to compare, so we're going to look at contentment. But then we're also going to look at your active role, the part you play in God's provision in someone else's life, the part that you actively play and someone else's contentment in him. So, we're going to pick it up. Verse 14 says this, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Now, here we have Paul basically saying, it was, it was good for you to, to hear my troubles, for me to be able to share with you what is going on, what I'm struggling with, what I am dealing with. You see, comparison does not let us do that, does it? So you'll see here your first blank there. It says, comparison robs us of the opportunity to be open. When Paul talks about this sharing in my troubles, sharing with your troubles takes some openness, doesn't it? If you're going to share with, what, with someone what you're really struggling with, with, what's really going on, you've got to be open. But comparison does not let us do that for two reasons. One, when we compare, we're, we're either sitting there looking at what other people are talking about, looking at other people's troubles and going, oh my gosh, my trouble is nowhere near what someone else is going through. We look at our struggles compared to someone else in the body and we go, oh my gosh, they've got it so much worse. How many of us have been in, in like a small group setting or maybe it's a group of friends and right, you're, you're going through some prayer requests and as you listen to what other people need prayer for, you're, you're comparing what you need prayer for to what they do, and you're going, oh my gosh, they've got it worse than I do. And they've got it worse than I do, and they've got it worse than I do. And then inevitably what happens right before you're getting ready to share, right, the person before you drops a bombshell. There's this, oh my gosh, that is a huge prayer request. And when that happens, what goes on inside of us? We shut down, don't we? We go, ooh, in comparison to what they just shared, I, I, don't need to, I don't need to tell anyone else. They don't need to pray for me. 
we belittle our own struggle. Now, comparison also does the flip side. We can look at the struggles of other people. We can be so wrapped up in our troubles and what we're dealing with that we can look at other people's struggles and go, that's nothing. Do they even know what I'm going through? Are you kidding me right now? They're asking for prayer for that? And so we can belittle someone else's trouble. We can say, oh, that's, that is tiny. But contentment, contentment does not do that. In fact, contentment gives us the opportunity to share in our troubles. Contentment allows us to be open because what contentment does is it allows us to look at our own troubles and go, you know what? What I'm dealing with is unique and God cares about it. No matter how small or how big. But not only that, it allows us to look at the troubles of someone else and go, what they're dealing with is unique. What they're dealing with is, is so important to God, no matter how big or how small. Contentment allows us to open our ears and soften our hearts to the troubles of other people. You see, God calls us to have open ears and soft hearts to the needs of others, to the troubles of others. But it doesn't stop there, right? We're not just called to listen. Paul actually takes it a step further. Verse 15 says this, Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of our acquaintance with the gospel, When I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Now we see here, Paul, he's talking about this, and if you you read it, you see this beautiful relationship of give and take, right? He he talks about, we're looking here, right? He says, um, sorry, I lost my place. So he talks about there in verse 15, he says, uh, no one else shared in the matter of giving and receiving. So Paul's talking about this two-way relationship here. So not only did the Philippians provide for Paul's need, not only did they give to him, but we see they also received aid from Paul. So he's saying we, there, was, there was a relationship here. There was a partnership. We helped each other. It was not a one-way street. Comparison, on the other hand, comparison is a thief of true relationship. You see, oftentimes comparison does not let us receive aid from others. Here's how, as, as we get older, as we watch those around us, whether it's parents or siblings or those in the church and the body, as we watch them go through struggles and troubles, from the outside looking in, it's easy for us to look at someone else and go, oh my gosh, look how strong they've been. Look at how they've handled that. They've done it all on their own. They needed no help. And so as we begin to go through struggles, we compare ourselves to them. We say, that's how I need to handle it. They were independent. So I need to do the same. Or the opposite. We go, goodness gracious, they were a train wreck. 
man, they, they really struggled. And when I go through something difficult, I am not going to handle it the same way. I will be strong. I'll do it on my own. But any relationship, any friendship, it's give and take, isn't it? It's, it's a two-way street. Think about a, a, a friendship you've got here. and When you're a friend of someone, right, you, you love to give, but it also takes you being able to receive. And that's exactly what contentment does. Contentment gives us the ability to give and receive aid. In other words, as much of a joy as it is to give, right, we're able to, to give out of the abundance that God has given us. At the same time, when we realize that Jesus is enough, that he's provided for us, and that he uses other people in the body to provide our needs, we're able to receive and go, okay. You know, uh, years ago, I had a conversation with someone right here. It was right at the church. I remember it was right there, right in that spot in this sanctuary. And I was sharing with them about some struggles and what was going on. And church, I, I've got to be honest and transparent with you. This was convicting for me. <laughs> this is a hard one for me. I struggle with this one. God is still at work in my heart when it comes to being able to receive aid, right? I love giving it. But man, receiving it's a different story. This is difficult. And so I was sharing that with someone who is much, much wiser than I am. And they looked at me and they said, you know what? Don't rob someone of the blessing of giving. That stuck with me. That hit me like a ton of bricks. Because I realize, right, when, when I get to help a friend out, when I get to help another brother or sister in Christ out in the church, it is such a blessing, isn't it? But when I go, nope, sorry, I'm good. I don't, I don't want to receive your help. Oof, I'm robbing them of that blessing, of that opportunity to help. And so contentment, contentment allows us to go, yes, I will help, but also I'll receive. I'll receive God's provision, how he's providing through you. See, God wants us to be a part of his provision, a part of giving other people help, but also receiving it. Paul keeps going. So not only is it just hearing, not only is it just providing and receiving, but there's something even more. He says this, not only that I desire your gifts, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So now Paul just gets done talking about how it's give and take. And then all of a sudden it sounds like Paul is saying, no, no, I don't need any more. No, he's not pushing them away, but what he's saying, he's saying, look, I'm not writing this letter to get more from you. I'm not saying what I just said as another plea. No, no, God has God provided for me. 
In fact, God has used you to provide for me. But what I'm getting at is now that I'm content, now that I've got what I need, my hope and my prayer is that you would receive more. That you would have more. See, comparison doesn't allow us to do that. In fact, comparison will always seek to gain. Enough is never enough. I think part of the reason why we have you know, the fifth richest man in the world who wants to become the first richest man in the world is comparison. I think the reason that someone wants to be the first trillionaire is comparison. I mean, if you live in comparison long enough, if you and I spend our lives comparing ourselves to other people, sure, initially it might start like we talked about at the first part of the sermon where you're going, oh my gosh, look how much better they are than me. But eventually as we live in that, what will come about is we begin to look at ways that we are better than other people. We, we begin to go, I'm better than them in this way and that way, and you know what? I want more. Because I'm better than you, I, I want more. But contentment, contentment does not, does not seek to gain. In fact, contentment gives us the ability to desire more for others. Contentment allow us to go, allows us to go, God has provided for me. Look how he's provided for me. And now I want that. In fact, I don't just want that. I want even more for you. Contentment allows us to want more of his blessings for others. It allows us to say, I, I want your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual needs met. Contentment allows us to want more of his giftings for others. It allows us to go, you know what? My hope and my prayer is that you discover who God has made you to be, that you discover the giftings and talents he's given you, and that you grow in that, that you grow in your identity in Christ and who he has made you to be. Contentment allows us to want more of him for others. It allows us to go, my hope and my prayer is that day in and day out, you would be filled with the fullness of Jesus Christ. That you would get to know him more and more. That each day you would discover just how wide and how deep his love is for you. You see, contentment allows us to desire more for others even when they already have more than we have. And God wants us to be a part of providing that more. And then Paul wraps it up. He takes us back to the very beginning, right? He's, he's talked about all that and he brings it back to right where we started. Verse 20 says this, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. In other words, what Paul says is, look. Look what God has done. Look how he's provided. And he deserves all the glory. See, but comparison, comparison wants the glory given to us. Comparison makes it all about me. How can I be elevated? 
How can I be number one? But contentment, just like Paul does here, contentment gives all the glory to God. Church, when I look around, when I think about all that God has given me, when I think about who God has given me, when I, when I think about how he's used me, even when I didn't deserve it, how he's used me to be part of his provision in someone else's life, I cannot help but give all the glory to him, right? When we think about that, when we reflect on our lives and what he's done, how he's provided and how he's used us, we can't help but give all the glory to God. So what do we do with this? What do we do with all this? Well, I want to share with you a quote and a challenge, and then we're going to be done for this, mor- for this morning. There is a, a pastor and an author who says this, and actually I think this quote sums up perfectly the idea we've been trying to talk, we've talked about this whole morning. It says this, Don't ask God to feed someone that's hungry if you have plenty of food. Let me read that again. Don't ask God to feed someone that's hungry if you have plenty of food. In other words, you and I, as his body, as the body of Christ, are called to be part of his provision in someone else's life. We are called to be an answer to prayer in someone else's life. God uses us to do that. And so here's my challenge to us this morning. I challenge each and every single one of you to pick one person or one family or one cause, pick someone here in this church and be part of that provision. Maybe you know of, of someone who's going through something. Maybe you know there, there's, there's some kind of need happening in their life. Maybe, maybe that provision for you looks like being a listening ear. Maybe it's, it's having a soft heart and letting them share with you their need. Instead of just kind of staying at the surface conversation, good morning, how are you, how's the weather, the coffee's hot. Maybe it's going a little bit deeper. Saying, hey, look, I, I know something's burdening you. Let's talk about it. Share with me. Be someone that someone can share a burden with. Have an open ear and a soft heart. Maybe it's not just letting someone share with you, but but maybe you've got the ability to come to someone's aid. Maybe you can very practically meet their need. I would challenge you to go, okay, I, I... I know there's this need here and they've got this going on. I can provide. Let me give. And I would also challenge you, if you're on the receiving end of that, if you find yourself face-to-face with someone who says, hey, look, I want to provide this for you, I want to challenge you to receive. Like that wise man told me, don't rob them of the blessing of giving. Maybe it's not just listening to someone or, or providing a need. Maybe it's actually something that has to do with this whole body. 
You know, I think if you were to, to sit down and talk with the staff at this church, if you were to talk to any staff member here, you would discover that we are so excited for what God is doing here. That, that we are we're so overjoyed with all that God has chosen to do through this community and through each and every single ministry in this place. But I think as you talk with them, you'll also find out that there's a lot of dreams and aspirations. That there is so much more that each of us and together as a church envision. I truly do believe that God wants to continue to work through us, but I also truly believe that there is more that he wants to do in us and through us. That God has more ahead of us. And so maybe, maybe you prayerfully consider how you might partner with us. Maybe you go, you know what? I'm going to be part of God's provision for this body as a whole. Maybe it's a year-end gift. Maybe it's approaching someone on staff and saying, hey, how can I help? Church, my hope and my prayer. And I'm going to go ahead and invite the band back up. My hope and my prayer is that you come to see God's provision in your life. That you come to see what God has provided and who God has provided. But not only that, my hope in my prayer today is that when you would look around and go, I am called to be part of God's provision in someone else's life. I am called to be part of someone else's contentment in him. And in that, to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day and this time, Lord. Thank you um, again just for, for this past week, how we, uh, we got to spend some time with family and just spend time in gratitude. Lord God, I pray that as we, as we look ahead, I pray that we remember and reflect upon how you've provided for us. On Lord Jesus, how you are enough. I pray that we remember not only how you've provided for us and what you've provided for us, but Lord, who you've brought in our lives. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you would put it on our hearts that we are, we are a body and we are called to be part of your provision in someone else's life. Lord, allow us to be the hands and feet. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.